How many of you saw that video of that lady who was talking about the coronavirus and telling everybody not to touch her face, and then she goes and touches her face? Anybody see that while she's talking, giving a news conference? I feel like I shouldn't touch my face this morning. <laughs> hey, so we're continuing in our series in the Apostles' Creed. If you believe it or not, and maybe, maybe you do believe it, it's been nine weeks that we have been working through statement after statement after statement in the Apostles' Creed. And uh, we have three weeks left after this week, three other sermons. We have the Holy Catholic Church and Communion of Saints, which we'll look at as believers together. We have the forgiveness of sins, which we'll look at by itself. And then the resurrection of the body and life everlasting, and we'll work there. Let me give you a little bit of an update about where we're headed after that. I don't know if, if you're like me, but I like to know where we're going, right? Um, so we have, we're going to finish with these today's, and then three more, so four more in the Apostles' Creed. Then it's Easter time. We're going to have a Palm Sunday and Easter service. And then we're actually going to work through the book of Ruth, uh, one of the greatest books of the Bible, right, as they all are, um, as we work through the story of Ruth and all of the things that happened there. So that's kind of the plan. We have, I think it's 16 weeks in the book. I'm just kidding. No, we have four weeks in the book of Ruth, four weeks in the book of Ruth. It will take us to about Mother's Day, and we'll, we'll keep you informed. Um, but today we are going to look at the statement, the Holy Spirit. I almost said Catholic Church. Would you stand with me, please, as we read the Apostles' Creed together as we have done, and then we will pray. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. So last week, Pastor Paul, he uh, brought the thunder with the message and talking about the, the judgment um, of the living and the dead and what that means. If you didn't get a chance to be here last week, I encourage you to go and listen to it. He really brought a lot of clarification, some great understanding into what that statement Means, But today we're going to look at the statement, I believe in the Holy Spirit. John 14, 25 and 26 says this, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit is the least understood member of the Trinity. As a matter of fact, we, we don't oftentimes hear sermon series on the Holy Spirit, right? And we'll sing songs to God the Father and to Jesus, but, but oftentimes, unlike what we did this morning, we, we don't tend to focus a lot on the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is an equal part of the triune God. The Bible says, holy, holy, holy. And one of the things that we take from that is, holy God the Father, holy God the Son, and holy God the Spirit. 
the three in one. So this morning we're going to look at who is the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at this from, from two points. First we're going to look at the person of the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to look at the work of the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. And unfortunately this morning we don't have time to exhaustively look over all that the Holy Spirit is. But we're going to do our best to cover it. So the first question that we must ask is who is the Holy Spirit? Well, the scripture is very clear that the Holy Spirit is a person. We see this in, in multiple ways. First of all, the Holy Spirit is referred to as a he, right? Not as an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. We see that the Holy Spirit has intelligence, has will, has emotions. The intelligence we see through the fact that he's an equal part of the triune God, right? He is equal. He is holy as God the Father is holy, as God the Son is holy. We see that he has will. In 1 Corinthians 12, 11, the Bible says this, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit. All these are empowered who apportions to each one individually as he wills. He has will. We also see that the Holy Spirit has emotions. Ephesians 4, 30 says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And we'll come back to the word sealed here in a little while, Isaiah 63.10, but they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he turned to be their enemy, and he himself fought against them. I think oftentimes we think of the Holy Spirit as some type of Casper the Ghost kind of thing, right? Who, who is there but doesn't really exist, is not really a person, but the Holy Spirit is a person. It's important that we understand After understanding that the Holy Spirit is a person and that he's active in our lives, we have to look at what does the Holy Spirit actually do? John 16, 7 to 15, and this is one of the big passages we're going to be looking at this morning, says this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Now, now who is this speaking? Who is this speaking? Is Jesus speaking, right? He's saying, listen, it's, it's actually good for you that I go away because if I don't go away... The helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I say that he will take what is mine and declare it you. There's, there's multiple things that the Holy Spirit is responsible for. Now, if you're familiar with the work of the Holy Spirit, we know that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit did not come and indwell, we're going to look at the word seal in a minute, the heart of every single person who followed God. That happened beginning in Acts chapter 2 through the book of Acts. 
In the Old Testament, we see specific examples. People like Moses and guiding the Israelites, or like Samson and things that Samson had to do, or people like Bezael as he constructed the tabernacle. But things have changed in the New Testament. In the New Covenant, we, we see a, a different thing happening. It's now that Jesus ascends, which we looked at a couple of weeks ago, and why it was so important that Jesus ascended so that the Holy Spirit would then descend on the earth and indwell the hearts of all believers. But the first thing that we see in John chapter 16 is the Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts of sin. He helps the believer know what is right and what is wrong. Do you know, do you know when... In your mind, you know something isn't right to do, but you do it anyway. In your heart of hearts, you know, man, I, I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't say this. I shouldn't go to this website. I shouldn't watch this movie. I shouldn't listen to this song. You know because the Holy Spirit is telling you he's active in your life. And he's saying, listen, this is wrong. This is sin. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin but God gives us free will and he allows us to make our own choices. William MacDonald, uh, one of my favorite commentary writers, um, in looking at verses 8 and 9, this is what he says. In verses 8 and 9, And when he comes, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Here's what William MacDonald said. He said, this, this statement here is generally taken to mean that he creates an inward awareness of these things in the life of the individual sinner. While this is true, right, and this is a very, that's a true statement, here in John, it's not exactly the teaching of this portion. What's being said is the Holy Spirit condemns the world by the very fact that the Holy Spirit is here. See, the Holy Spirit shouldn't be here because the Lord Jesus should be here reigning over the world, but the world rejected him and he went back to heaven. The Holy Spirit is here in place of a rejected Christ. This demonstrates the world's guilt. The Holy Spirit convicts. But, but not only does that happen, the Holy Spirit also points the unbeliever to Jesus. You know, oftentimes we'll, we'll talk about um, trying to witness to people, but the reality of it is it's God who does the work. We can spend our whole lives trying to tell someone about Jesus. But when the Holy Spirit works, there's a story of, uh, of two missionary ladies who had given their lives on the mission field up in this tribe, up in the mountains, and they, they had spent year after year after year after year after year witnessing to this group of people being so faithful in doing it, but there was no harvest. There was no harvest. They both died after giving their lives and not seeing one convert come to Jesus Christ. But after they passed away, the Holy Spirit did a work in that tribe. And you know what happened? The harvest was bountiful for the next people that came. But they didn't see it. These ladies that gave their lives, that, that gave everything, they didn't see the harvest. And that can be discouraging in our lives. But we have to realize that it's the Holy Spirit who's going to convict of sin and point people to Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit points unbelievers to Jesus. The next thing is the Holy Spirit helps us understand God. 1 Corinthians 2, 11 to 13 says this, For who knows a person's thoughts 
except the spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we might impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truth to those who are spiritual. So for the writers of the Scripture, God revealed to them the infallible, the inerrant Word of God. The Holy Spirit worked in their lives in in an amazing way with how God still uses free will. When you look at the scripture, we still see the different writing styles, right, of the authors, the different tendencies they would have. Yet, through the Holy Spirit, God guided them. But, But it wasn't only for the authors of scripture, because today in our lives, the Holy Spirit is still speaking to us. Now, we're not adding to the Bible, right? We're not adding to the Bible, but we know that with conviction, we know with making big decisions in life, oftentimes we'll pray and say, God, tell me what in the world I'm supposed to do, right? I want a sign outside that says, you need to go this way. But most times that doesn't happen, right? We pray and pray, and and I I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people that have said, you know, Tony, I need to decide what I'm going to do, what college I'm going to go to, what job I should take. What, what situation we should do here? And I've been praying and asking God, but it sounds like there's no answer. Let me read you a, an interesting story from uh, Reader's Digest. Anybody read Reader's Digest? Right? Reader's Digest. Do they still make Reader's Digest? They do? All right. Here's what it, This was a 2005 um, edition. It said, in the world of technology, there's a new development called hypersonic sound, HSS. HHS makes right? I wonder if that's why hypersonic sound. Do you ever hear that sound? Um, the inventor, Eldwood Woody Norris, has engineered sound waves to travel like a laser beam for about 150 yards. This allows sounds to be heard by a person in a particular place, but not by those immediately around them. You could be listening to music or specific instructions while those standing next to you would be left in total silence. If you move out of the tightly formed path of these unique sound waves, you too will be unaware of any noise. This is what it says. God's communication with us is very similar to these sound waves. We must be in the right place to hear the Holy Spirit. And when we're there, the message is clear. If we move away from the pathway of his voice, we become unaware of the fact that he is communicating with us, and we consequently miss the message. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps us understand the Word of God. But, but making sure that we are in a place to be able to hear it speaks of surrendering to the Spirit. And we'll get to that in a minute. So the Holy Spirit convicts. He points unbelievers to Jesus. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand God and understand the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit is also our seal. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who's the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. See, when you became a believer, you received the Holy Spirit, which is like God's stamp on your life. You were marked for God. And if God seals something, who can break it? 
The Holy Spirit convicts, points unbelievers to Jesus, helps us understand God. He is our seal. And the last one that we're going to look at this morning, and this is kind of where the majority of our time will be, is the Holy Spirit sanctifies. Sanctification. What in the world does that word mean? Sanctification. Let me say this. So once you're a believer, once you put your faith in Jesus Christ, positionally before God, how God looks at you, positionally before God, you cannot be more redeemed, more loved, more forgiven than you are at this very moment. See, nothing can change that. You cannot be more redeemed, more loved, more forgiven than you are at this very moment positionally before God. Isn't that such a cool thing to think about? However, while we're on this earth, we know that our sinful nature is still there. Still, as, as we often will say, it rears its ugly head in our lives, right? Things that we know we shouldn't do, we're tempted to do. Things we know we shouldn't say, we're, we're tempted to say. And maybe you're driving down the road one day and, and somebody cuts you off and man, all you want to do is pull up beside them and give them the meanest look you've ever given anyone in your life. I heard a story one time of a pastor, and it wasn't me, okay, it wasn't me, uh, but I heard a story one time of a pastor, and, and he was driving down the road with his family, and, and somebody cut him off, and, uh, and this guy, he lost it, he totally lost it, and, and began beeping the horn, I think, I think the person was in front of him, if I remember right, he was kind of holding his hands, like, what in the world are you doing, and, and finally pulls up to him at a stoplight and looks over, and it's someone from his congregation, and... Uh, <laughs> Keeps going, but, but that's, that's, everybody goes through it, right? We all wrestle with it. On a, on a daily basis, we wrestle with, with this decision of whether or not we surrender to the flesh or surrender to the spirit. This life, we have been given righteousness in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone, and you can't be more redeemed, loved, and forgiven positionally right now than you are, but we know that in this life, we're not called to be complacent and happy with sin. Instead, we're to pursue holiness. Sanctification, or, or what some people will call progressive sanctification, is the pursuit of that holiness. It's a work of the Holy Spirit in the life of believers. 2 Thessalonians 2.13, But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved, by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief, in truth. So what does sanctification look like in our lives? Well, let's, let's look at what it, talk, what it means to live by the flesh or live by the Spirit. Galatians 5 says this, But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. You know, sometimes as Christians, we, we try and walk this line between the flesh and between the Spirit. Right? And we say, man, if I, if I just want to get this a little closer to the way of the world, a little more, be a little more satisfied in this, or a little happier in this, when Scripture clearly tells us to stay on this side. There is no, there is no overlapping between the flesh and the spirit. They're opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh 
are evident. And here we go through and, and Paul will write all the different works, of the different works of the flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. What did he miss? And I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, that's the flesh. As he goes through and lists the works of the flesh, sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Right? Not only these. This list isn't exhaustive. He says stuff like this. That's the flesh. Don't live in the flesh because here is the fruit of the Spirit. See, when you walk in the Spirit, here's what happens. There's love. And joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. See, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is what we call sanctification, progressive sanctification. How in this life, and this is what we call walking with God, growing in our relationship with God. So if you, you think of the word sanctification, also think of growing in your walk with God, right? We have kind of these Christianese words that we'll use sometimes that nobody will understand unless you, you've heard it before. So think of growing in your relationship with God, progressive sanctification, pursuing holiness in your life. And here's what we see, that progressive sanctification is only possible through the work of the Holy Spirit. See, if I want more love and more joy in my life, it's, it's not something that I do, it's something that I surrender to the Spirit, and the Spirit does in my life. See, John reminds us that on this side of glory, this side of heaven, we're going to continue to struggle with this. 1 John 1, 8 to 10 says this, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So how do we work through this progressive sanctification? Well, it speaks of a daily surrendering to the Spirit, to carry your cross daily and say no to the desires of the flesh and say yes to the Spirit. <coughs> the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. The, the fruit of the Spirit. Sometimes I, I think we look at that and we say the fruits of the Spirit. But it's not. It doesn't say fruits, right? It says fruit. See, if we're walking in the Spirit, that's the result that you're going to see in the life of believers. <coughs> love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. See, God knows that we are going to continue to wrestle with the desires of the flesh against the Spirit until we're home with Him. But He didn't leave us alone. There's a, a story. Lug, uh, Ludwig Namensen, he was a pioneer missionary to the Batak people of Indonesia. He spent two years living with them and studying their traditions. At the end of the time, the chief asked him if the Christian faith differed 
from the Batak traditions. The chief said, we too have laws that say we must not steal or take our neighbor's wife or bear false witness. The missionary answered, my master gives the power to keep his laws. And the chief was startled. He said, can you teach my people that? God can give them that power if they ask and listen to his word. So for six months, Naminson taught Batak about the power of God. These people were so, they, 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 were, they were looking for righteousness, looking for a way to be able to do what was right because they couldn't do it on their own. Their traditions maybe had some things that were a little bit similar to Christianity, but of course it was not. And the missionary begins to teach. So six months he teaches the Batak people about the power of God, and at the end of the time the chief said this to the missionary. He said, stay. Because your law is better than ours. Our laws tell us what we ought to do. But your God says, come, I will walk with you and give you the strength to do the right thing. Matt Chandler uh, has a quote, and I, I think it's, it just captures all of this so well. He says, we can give ourselves over to the, frank, the frantic, impossible pursuit of our best being enough. Or we can melt and know that we're not. We can give ourselves over to the frantic, impossible pursuit of our best being enough, or we can melt and know that we are not, and know that he is able and rest in his ability over our inability. See, that's why we talk so much about walking in the Spirit, because walking in the flesh, we cannot do what we need to do. That's why Paul says, I do the things I don't want to do, and the things that I should do, I don't do. But that's not limited to Paul, and that's not limited to you, and it's not limited to me. That's something that we all face in this life. But God didn't look at us and say, you know what? Good luck. I'm going to leave you alone. You rejected Jesus. You don't deserve it, even though we don't. So I'm going to send the helper, the spirit who can guide you on a daily basis, who will be ever-present with you, who will convict you of what's right and wrong, who will help you to understand what my word says to you, who will help you to understand decisions that you should make in your life. This Holy Spirit will walk you through the process of sanctification in your life as you continue to pursue what is right and what is holy and what is just as you continue to live more like I tell you to live. And know that you are sealed with the Spirit of God. E.M. Bounds, um, he is a, a very famous writer on prayer in particular. And he writes this. What the church needs today is not more machinery or better, not new organizations or more novel methods, but men, and I would add in, of course, and women, but men and women who choose, who, men and women who the Holy Ghost can use men and women of prayer, men and women mighty in prayer. You have a decision in your life, as I do every single day. Are we going to surrender to the Holy Spirit? 
or not? Are, are we going to say, you know what, God? I, I know th these things are, are telling me this is what I should do, but I know your spirit's telling me to go over here, and so I'm going to go over here. Are you someone that tries to walk the line? It's a very dangerous thing to do. Because more often than not, when you walk the line, you're going to end up on the wrong side. Surrender to the Spirit every day. Would you pray with me? Father, at times, we can be a stubborn people. I confess, I can be very stubborn at times. Think that my way is best. My plans are best. Father, we thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit who's alive, who's active in our lives. Father, help us to surrender to this spirit on a daily basis. This daily spiritual battle that we fight is, is one against the flesh and against the spirit. Lord, give us the strength. The strength only comes from you. Give us the strength to surrender to the spirit daily, to deny the flesh, to flee from temptation. Lord, help us to listen to the spirit, to be faithful and take moments of silence to ask God what you want us to know, what you want us to do, to prepare our hearts for, for conversations that we have with different people or different things that we go through in our lives. Our lives are so busy and it's so hard to slow down, but Lord, give us the awareness to take moments out of our day to ask what you have for us to do. Father, speak clearly, we pray in Jesus' name.